Hey, welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about the majestic indie developer life. Join our scintillating hosts, Dave and Daniel, and let's hear about a tiny slice of their thrilling lives. Dave, hi, nice to hear you. Hello, Daniel. I can never quite get over that intro. <laughs> That's great stuff. Oh. I, I, um, so I've, I've done the sports and there's a German, um, there's a German word for everything, right? And there's a German word that translates to roughly to muscle hangover. <laughs> so okay. I have a muscle hangover today. Right. What is that in German? Uh, Muskelkater. Ah. And kater means male cat, but in this mm -hmm. context, context is actually a, a, another root that's, uh, that's, um, Qatar. And mm -hmm. that is hangover, but also, um, just general malaise, basically. Yep. Yep. Fair. So I think, um, that sounds like what you've got the, uh, delayed onset muscle something, DOMS. <laughs> Is it about a day or two afterwards? It is. It is. Yeah, yeah I know it well. Um, ah, well, not, no heavy lifting to do on this show. We can just sit here and talk. So hopefully that's all good for you. Um, I can't say that I've been doing the doing the sports, unfortunately. Um, but I'm kind of getting back to it after a little while of not really being able to exercise and stuff. So, you know, maybe I will have... How did you say it? What what's the phrase? <laughs> muscle hangover? Musculata? Yep. Musculata? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that. pretty good. Cool. I'll uh oh, keep no us, doubt. Keep us posted. Yeah, I'll message you and I'll just go, I've got it. It's happened. <laughs> <laughs> or rather I'll be going, I've got it, I ache. Um <laughs> Yeah. But uh Ah, oh, Daniel, I want to talk to you about a approach to building my apps mm -hmm. that has kind of been bubbling away in the back of my brain for the last month or two and i'm starting to do it is it that you're switching your keyboard to like weird layouts like dvorak or whatever no no not yet okay um, always and with the option on the table okay so i had no idea that this already existed as a concept as i started laying it out i mean i've kind of realized that there would be something similar out there. Mm -hmm. But let me walk you through it. I, I sat down and thought, hmm, okay, I've got this laundry list of small utility apps and ideas um, that I've been wanting to build for ages, right? I think a lot of indie devs end up with this sort of, you know, back catalog of ideas and failed experiments and that sort of thing. Um, and I, I noticed that... Um, Within all of these, there's a lot of commonalities, right? So if I think about the design for each of these um, app ideas, they've usually got a setting screen. They've usually got, you know, a, a paywall somewhere in there. They've usually got a um, an intro screen, a welcome to the app. Um, and I'm also doing a lot of things where I'm, I'm sort of setting up color schemes and that sort of thing as well so that um, people can change the colors um, that the app uses and, and theme it nicely. Um, so there's a lot of shared stuff. And what happens when I make a new project is I tend to, you know, clone the last one, strip everything out, <laughs> take what I need. Yeah, um, I get that. And you end up with iterations of things, right? So I've got the version of, um, of color theming that I came up with a year ago um, in one app. And then I've got the slightly updated version with better this, that, and the other for Swift UI um, in a more recent app. And that annoys me, right? It sort of feels like I've got this kind of uh, evolution of things that isn't very controlled. Right. I mean, we have computers. Why can't we just like clone stuff instead of like having this very yep. messy way of, of moving stuff around? Yeah. And I think it's ideal to do that when you're not really sure what the thing needs to be right? You know, copying the thing from the last project that worked and make it work in the new context. Mm -hmm. But I was sort of staring down this list of ideas and um, it's probably good for me to wind back just slightly and, and, and explain why I'm even looking at this list of ideas and what's going on. And so I've had a bit of a realization in the last, last month or so that I am at my best as an indie developer when I am working with video. 
Okay, that, that's where I started with GoVJ. Um, I kind of worked with video a little bit with the video to audio converter. Um, I've had various things over the years where I've sort of played in that area, and it's always where I have the most fun. Um, so as much as I've enjoyed making my Fediverse app and working on two SDK and that side of stuff, um, actually I have more fun when I am working with video. Okay, so that, that sort of led me down this this path. Um, and I started going, okay, well, there was this idea for this this type of video editor, this idea for this effects app, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly I'm looking at a 10, 10 12 app list and going, I'd really love to build them. So commonalities, lots of apps, sharing lots of ideas and lots of similar bits. And that led me to an idea of, okay, so I should put these things into Swift packages and then I can share them between the apps. And the concept I dubbed for this was Lego apps, <laughs> right? It sort of becomes like I'm making my own Lego blocks that I can just go, boom, you've got a setting screen and you've got a setting screen. <laughs> and, you know, awesome. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I've been up to um, here and there over the last few weeks. When I've had some time, I've been building out these packages. And uh, it's, it's going to be that I've got a few things going on in, in uh, non-dev life outside of work, as it were, um, that are going to derail me. We're, we're about to be moving house, I think, over the next, uh, over the next month. Mm-hmm. Um, but that to one side... I am pulling all of this together so that I can then make a new app. Um, And it will probably be later this year that that then gets released. Um, But what it will also then be is a case for me to um, rip out the old versions of these components in the existing apps and bring everything to the same standard. Um, But the the concept here is, yeah, Lego apps has been the concept I landed on and that each thing that I abstract has to be relatively self-contained in, in what it does um, and that I don't get too caught up with all the different permutations that may come up to vary it between apps. So they're all going to get a lot of very similar things. You know, like my, I'll, I'll settle on one version of the paywall to begin with that every app has, for example, and it's right. just, you know, it'll be a, a bit with a description and then the options listed below and um, blah, 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 all the bits it needs. For, for a paywall, um, but I'm not going to try and make them too bespoke. Yep, it will just be fairly simple, just does what it needs to do, and then I'll get them to a standard and we'll see how that goes and, you know, I can iterate from there. Um, so in theory, I think mm-hmm. it's useful. In practice, it is a road towards yak shaving, as it were. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've got to be very careful about tying that line because you can feel really productive while not really getting anywhere with doing this sort of stuff. Yeah, because um, you can optimize prematurely and yeah. just optimize and optimize and never exactly. really go anywhere with your main project. Exactly. So I'm trying to sort of toe that line and bring in things that I've already written and then get them to a standard where it's like, yep, this is this is my view for this for all the apps um, and to move on rather than going, oh, but this app wants it like that, this app wants it like this, right? Um, And then I discovered a blog post um, on swiftwithmajid.com, where on the 12th of January last year, he talks about micro-apps architecture in Swift. Um, And I'll link this in the show notes, but basically he lays out exactly what I've just been talking about in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a, um, and I, yeah, there's a whole bunch of, of articles. He also links, um, somebody else's post that's over on increment.com. And again, I'll, I'll pull all that together on, on the show notes. People can go and have a look. Um, and I'm doing something very similar to what they're laying out here, right? And it's about, you know, trying to set boundaries around the modules that you're building so that they make sense. Um, but also, not driving yourself mad in the process and sort of making sure that you're, you know, right. you're being sensible with it. So, yeah, um, it's uh, like I say, not a new idea, but for me, the idea of like, Oh, I should do this and then reapply this to, to all of my apps. That is new. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. What I, sorry. 
what I really like about this idea is you're not like just pulling random components from GitHub and just like assembling them into a Frankenstein style app. Mm-hmm. You're building your own components. So all of them will have your style. And especially because you're indie, um, yep. like even if you have five apps and they have the same or a very similar pay screen or paywall, like it will be your kind of style in those. Yes. Like say, look at, I don't know, tap bots. They have a certain style in all of their they apps. Do. And yep. that evolved over time, of course, but still, like it's, it's still it's still their style. And we, with that method, you can kind of do that yourself. And I have yeah. a few thoughts about organizing and like principles that you probably need to adhere to, <laughs> um, because I kind of do a similar thing. Like um, I use a lot of Swift packages in my development, and I love them, even though I hate them. Yeah, mostly I love them, but what I hate is like uh, I hate is too strong a word. Anyway, um, so. In, in in software engineering with a like uppercase S and an uppercase E world, <laughs> this is um, the principle of low coupling, which is yep. like the, your components should have like a, a, as little um, surface area and like interconnectedness as possible, so you can reuse them. Yep. And so this is really important because then you can reuse them, and this is true for Swift packages for, with, uh, for example, a pay screen. But yes. also, for example, for classes in, let's say, the API for a medium-sized analytics provider that, for example, has a class that is a job runner and a separate class that is like and like the database query yep. querier. So yeah, um, so one of the principles that I found is um, that, like, really, like, don't think too much about. I have to make everything a Swift package. Yes, um, because you like ideally everything is a Swift package, and I like they have a lot of advantages, and we can totally talk about those because I love Swift packages. Mm-hmm. Um, but like sometimes maybe just like encapsulating stuff in a class, especially if it's not user interface or stuff, is maybe the better way. Um, yeah. Just as like I think the way to to approach all of this these these Lego apps is think about. Um, Think about, oh, how can I reuse this later? But don't prematurely optimize for it. Like, don't be like, oh, yeah, later I will be able to add this, so I will add it right now. Like, don't add it right now. Just, like, make it, like, just, like, don't block that avenue for you, for yourself. Um, I I agree. And And there's some other principles with that as well. I I remember coming across the idea of, like, to avoid early optimization, you, you set a principle like a class or an area of of functionality has to be copied three times before you turn it into a package for example Um, and i think there's there's some uh truth to that because then that lets you avoid getting too caught up in the permutations that it needs to have in different contexts and then you can take a look at those two or three and go ah this is the shared area not that and you can slice along those boundaries right yeah that's pretty good and I think you also kind of learn as you go along, mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, this is probably a good component to kind of extract into its own com- package or whatever. Yeah. And and I can tell you, actually, I, I kind of gave it this thought as I was pulling everything together. To I, I've literally written like a, a Lego app manifesto for myself that sort <laughs> of lays out the, the direction, right? Um, and if I look at the key packages that i sort of identified up front that i want to build that will help enable these apps um i've got one about themes so about setting the the colors for the app and setting up a um an observable object that um it then um is linked to modifiers and all the rest of it to set colors um so that's one there's a the settings so the settings screen is is relatively generic between each app. Um, you know, I'm going to want something where you can link the paywall, something where you can say what the app is about or link any help, um, link to the, the website and all of that. That's generic enough, and I've done that enough in enough apps now to know what the generic bits are. Um, and then I've got one for a paywall. Um, I've got a really nice little video trimmer object in my video Ooh. to audio app that shows the um it shows the the waveform effectively for the audio and it shows the um thumbnails for the video 
together so you can get a view of the audio and the video at the same time as you edit and it's got sliders on either side so i want to box that into its own own component because some of these video apps i've got ideas for they all have that they all need to trim video um yeah so that's that's another one and then finally all of my apps have a more apps screen in the settings screen Mm -hmm. and i want to abstract that um because I've got some ideas there just in terms of I want to be able to hit the button from this this little panel that shows other apps that that are that are mine um and I want it to boot up like not quite an app store style um screen but something similar to that to show them off a bit better yeah that's that sounds very cool actually like just yeah. some some cross promotion basically mm-hmm. and and this is all about me leaning into the idea of my um, domain and the name that I run under for, for my indie apps now, uh, light beam apps and bringing this all together. It means I'm look, I'm thinking about a, a look and feel for a light beam app as it were. Mm-hmm. Like if you have one and you use another, this similarity will mean you'll feel pretty at home with them. Right. And I'm hoping it then becomes a marker of like, oh, cool, I like that app. I'm going to like this app when I check it out. Um, so we'll see. But that that that's the that's the thought process, if you like, behind this sort of Lego apps uh, micro app uh, architecture, is to yeah. try and just sort of bring it all together. Yeah. So more um, thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, you can slice things too thinly, and I think you should yes. pre- uh, should avoid that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying this to criticize you; I'm just saying, it's like, just thinking out loud, what what are my principles to to for this those things? Of course, like if yep. things are too tiny, then um, they're hard to control and they're hard to work with. But yes. um, if they're just the right amount of tiny, then they're then they're good because they're like easy to move around and easy, easy to use. Um, and yeah, if you have too many of these, of, of too many Swift packages, for example, it gets kind of frustrating because um, either you have them locally in your file system, uh, but then it's like hard to work with them with Git, or you have them just as Swift packages referenced, but then every time you need to, you want to change some, change the code, you kind mm-hmm. of got to switch it to a different project and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. So, so, how, so how do you work with, with those, by the way? Like, um, do we yeah. have a preferred method here? That's a good question. So I learned a bunch of this with um, with the two SDK development last mm-hmm. year and kind of what I preferred. But yeah, um, my plan for this is that each app will bring the Swift package in directly out of the repo using the versioning there. And then whichever one is in development, I can override that while I'm working on it by mm-hmm. just pulling in the, the local package instead and make changes there. So that will let me edit it with the app. Um, and that will probably make the most sense. I'm not typically developing two apps at the same time. Yeah, I'm usually focused on one for a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not really that hard for me to set the package as the local from the local package and override the one from from Git. Right. Um, and then by doing that, I can do that, get the dev done, and then push a version, and then it's up to me as to when I want to pull the other ones up to date with it. Um, but that, that's, that's kind of the base. Another thing that I'm probably going to do, and in fact I've already been laying it out as I make these packages, is I've got a test app that links them all locally. Mm-hmm. And that's then from work, there... Work on them there. Yeah, exactly. So if I don't want to bother overriding the local, the, like overriding the Git version with a local version of the package, I can just use the test app that is using only local versions of the packages. Um, and that again lets me then, you know, dev to the side on that, push up the version, and then I can pull it back down um, into the other projects. Yeah, so, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. For me, yeah. Um, I usually like most of the Swift packages I work with are not Swift UI and they're not UI at all. Yeah. So what, um, so I can usually, and like, I can, like, I, I used to do, do it the, the way you, you, you just described where I would, uh, temporarily link the local version in my, yep. um, package.swift and then, yep. um, work on the, work on the, the code inside the, the, 
context of my pro project. And then at the end, I would uh, make a release and then like tag it on Git and whatever. It turns mm -hmm. out there was like too much friction for me and it like kind of got messy. So what I yep. do now is, um, these packages, because they're usually not UI, I can like really, really unit test them. So, mm -hmm. um, what I usually do is I write a unit test or I write like the minimum amount of, uh, code that I need to like for the thing to be even like failing a test, just like yep. the, the API basically. And then I write a unit test, like expecting, like uh, describing everything that I expect the thing to do once I in, in integrate it into the main project. Yeah. And then I can just work on that. And because, um, the package is kind of small. It is like it runs the unit test really, really quickly, and that's like yes. just just um, a, a huge, huge boon. Only thing I'm missing <laughs> really is I've been in Python world for a bit now, and yeah. there you have automatic test runners where, like, for the like reasonably large ingest API, for example, my t all tests run in zero point two one seconds. So um, <laughs> basically, every time a file gets saved, it just runs all the tests immediately yep. and that is really cool i wish i wish something like that for swift existed oh that's uh instant feedback at yeah. that point that's great and i'm just having uh, on that note a lot of my indie projects don't have uh unit tests or don't have very many mm -hmm. um and i've never been very happy with that right and it's a trade-off, you know, you, you don't yeah. want to spend all, all day writing tests before you even know whether the app's got a, a market um is kind of been the vibe i've had but also what i have done now for example if i look at my theme package there's a bunch of things that the that, that it is supposed to do um and i have got a few tests against that now and actually setting it as a package and isolating it has then made it, made it easier to think about what the tests need to be oh yeah that that really helps mm. so you know i don't think i'm going to be um, a born again TDD developer <laughs> overnight with this. Um, but I do think I will get more test coverage mm -hmm. out of myself on an indie basis. I mean, there's a very different, big difference between indie dev Dave and uh, day job dev Dave in terms of testing, actually. Yeah. Um, but I think that's, that's, um, and that's just because of my approach, right? I want to, I want to just. I've got limited time when I'm doing indie projects and I, and I just want to have a bit of fun. Um, and tests have never felt like yeah, fun. Also, also, if your stuff breaks, it's not as important mo most of the time. And exactly. people will, will be more forgiving because you're small. Exactly. Um, and I, I feel like for me, it's kind of the same way. Mm -hmm. um, and it turns out like my unwritten test policy seems to be, like I've never really thought about this before, but it seems to be uh, do not test UI ever. Yep. Because it is um, usually, because usually in, in our kinds of projects, the UI changes a lot and UI yes. testing is just more, more work. Yes. Uh, but do test a lot of the underlying like building blocks. And we're back at the Lego metaphor at that point, like especially APIs yes. and stuff like that. And by APIs, I don't mean like web APIs. I just mean like the yep. interfaces that our building blocks are using to talk, talk, uh, talk with each other. Those are really good targets for for testing whether that's yeah. um some like if, even if you use a, a ui framework at that point um that's mm -hmm. that's totally fair but like like i, I won't te test if a button actually buttons like i'm exactly. just gonna i'm just gonna assume i will know if the button stops buttoning yes yes and uh you know if that happens as well you've got good routes for your user feedback Right. Uh, to come straight back to you and that side of stuff as well. Like, I mean, that's the worst case scenario is a user catches it before you do. Um, but as long as you've got that route back, that is also another another backstop in all of this, right? It's like, yeah, I mean, and, and a lot of what we build, you know, if the button doesn't button, well, you're going to notice that as you're trying to play with the thing you've just built. Right. So, and I'm not saying this is this is the correct approach for everyone. I'm no. just saying this is the uh, approach that I use because yeah. I am like my balance between wanting to get out new features and making everything very stable. That 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 dial is very much towards new features, yes. except on the on the lower building blocks where I want way more stability. And that makes a lot of sense, and I think we just got to caveat this because there's a variety of different listeners to this show, and I wouldn't want anybody to go. 
ah, Dave and Daniel say, don't bother with tests. That's, that, that's, that's not the message. The message is... No, that's is, exactly the message. No one should ever test anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, when, when that seasoned developer turns around and looks and goes, it depends, this is one of those it depends scenarios, right? You want to make sure your, your um, testing standard matches what you're trying to achieve and the time that you've got available to you to do right. so. But I, I, I want to come back um, just quickly to, to this whole thing and what I'm seeing here with all of this, because one of the other things is is that I'm planning to automate the build of the apps eventually mm -hmm. as well, um, and to use probably GitHub Actions to kick a bunch of stuff off and that side of things. And we'll see how it goes. I'll do this with the first app that uses these components um, and well, give it a good go. I'm such a big fan of GitHub Actions. Mm -hmm. I think I'm, I'm, yeah. But I the, use it the, so, so much. The plan here, if you like, is that I want to um, have it so automated that if I push a new version of one of these packages up, something builds, something tests, and something gives me early feedback if it's broken one of the other apps. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to automate that away so that I don't create this sort of stack for myself where it's like I make this change, I realize that it's then, you know, absolutely broken um, something that's already out there. And I don't realize till the next time I go and try and dev the project. Like I actually want to know as soon as the, the package has been updated that all of the things that depend on it are building okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and what I figure with that, what I'd like to do is get to a stage where um, I, I'm then pushing builds up to the App Store off the back of that. Like, if everything's totally. all good, I've got a build and a version um, ready to go if I want to over there. You, 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 might, even, you might even be able to use Dependabot for that. Uh, do you know what? Do you know depend, Dependabot? Uh, no, I do not. I, it's, it's, I think this is from the JavaScript world, especially where you, your project will have thousands of dependencies. And it is a GitHub add-on. And I think it's been bought yeah. by GitHub, but I'm not 100% sure. It's a GitHub add-on that you add to your GitHub and it gets like a um, configuration file and it reads your package file and it like, yeah. supports various languages and then just tries to find the newest version for every like package in there. And then yep. runs your like your your GitHub actions to see if your tests run, and if everything comes back green, it will just merge the, the thing in, and then ah yes 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 the yes. merge in can also might also trigger, of course, a push to the app store or whatever, or in my case, for example, a deployment to the server. That's perfect, and actually, I am using this in in day job. I think we've got this this set up for the security warnings um, that I think it can do. If I yeah, remember rightly, cool. set up alerts. Yeah, yeah. especially for um, the web front and like you, mm -hmm. like you get like five, six pull requests that are automatically like opened, tested, and then closed and merged every day because like just things are moving fast and this is really helpful yeah. to to stay abreast yeah. of of any security vulnerabilities. So yeah, that looks like something I should use when when this is all set up. So this is. This is all a work in progress, and I don't want mm -hmm. to get too caught up in the idea of making this perfect automated stack before I'm actually releasing an app. Um, but I figure that, that taking a little bit of time now so that instead of just copy-pasting from the last project, I've actually you know, made, made something solid for this. I figure by investing that time that I will pay the, see the dividends payback over the next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can totally um, see, see that. Especially if you do the thing where, like, don't do the, all the, um, the work around the actual work right now. Like, just do a little bit mm -hmm. of, like, see if it's, see if it, you can packagerize, but don't build, yeah, as you said, like, don't build the whole, uh, push to, like, everything gets tested and then push to the app store and everything. Like, no. don't, don't do that now. Just, just, just do that no. in, in bursts, kind of, when, and, and when you work on something, then also do some infrastructure work, but not all the time. Exactly. And, and my approach for this sort of thing generally is this, right, is a sense of do it the hard way or the fiddly way or the, the manual way first and mm -hmm. feel that pain a few times. So then you know exactly what you want to do to relieve that pain. <laughs> exactly. And by then you also like find the worst, um, like the worst problems and can try to fix them or work around mm -hmm. them and whatever. Exactly. 
exactly. So, um, yeah, don't worry. I'm not, uh, this is it. I'm trying not to go off the deep end and just start working on my dev tooling rather than on my apps. But, um, my hope here is, is for a few things. And, and, and what I've got with, with GoVJ uh-huh. is I've got a, um, a regular user base of visual artists. I've got people subscribed. I'm now doing really quite well with the app in terms of a, a small project. Um, uh, just to put a bit of a view on that, it, it's making $150 recurring revenue each month, um, which for something I do occasionally on weekends and evenings and stuff feels like a good a good trade. Um, and I want to be doing more and making more in that mm-hmm. sense. And some of the apps I've got definitely will appeal to that audience. So one of the things I want to make over the next six months or so um, is a generative video synth, basically. Uh, So to give a bit of context, if you've ever played with Shader Toy um, (laughs) and and the the visuals that can be live-coded in the browser on there, um, I want to bring that sort of stuff into into GoVJ. And what has occurred to me is, is it's actually potentially um, an app in its own right. And so with that comes a bit of a, a dilemma. Okay, how if I make it an app in its own right, how do my GoVJ users get the benefits of it? Um, how, does, how do they get to mo- bring that into the video mixing app that I've got there, right? We've, now we've got two separate apps. And what I figure is, because I want to make the generative effects part of one of these packages so they can then be shared between the two. And it occurred to me that what I could do with this feature set in GoVJ is if you've got the other app installed, then you are able to use the generative effects in GoVJ. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the mechanism for this will be um, when you go to load a piece of media into one of the video channels, um, you've got the uh, demo content the app comes with, you've got your own content you've loaded, and there's another tab ready and waiting to sort of put the generative, generative stuff in there. Um, so when you go to that screen, there'll be... Um, probably four or five different ones that come with GoVJ and then a button that sort of goes, do you want to load more? Yep. And that will be a call to action to then go and install the other app. Oh, and yeah, then that's you, all you need. Like, yeah. And then you go to the other app, you um, import shaders and set things up and make it work as you want to work it. And you save these things as specific presets. And I will use a shared app container between the two to share those presets so that GoVJ can then read them and you can load them and use them from there. So it then becomes a thing of if you've got both, it's better. Is what yeah, I'm trying and you to have create. like those. I mean, those are I mean, those are pretty big Lego pieces, but still, like you have you have the two apps that are like slightly different target audiences and they enhance each each other. So that's awesome. Yes, exactly, and, and, and that's the that's the idea there. And then that lets me do other things as well, like I can make very specific features um, on the generator side um, in terms of how you edit them or play with them or set them up. Um, and then on the GoVJ side, you're working with them finished, um, and and you can just control them as a as a thing with parameters that then does nice motion graphic stuff. Um, so that's some of the, the, the idea in this, um, as well as that this will provide a bit of a vehicle for doing that. Uh, cause GoVJ's video engine is already a Swift package, actually. Um, well, it's already, it's, it's actually a, um, it's a Xcode project that I've brought in via a workspace mm-hmm. for GoVJ. Um, that'll take me all of probably an hour to just pull things out and turn it into a Swift package. Um, so, you know, some of this is sort of, it's already ready and waiting in terms of how I bring it together. Um, yeah, so that's that's that that's the idea with generators. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. But uh, 
I have talked loads about GoVJ <laughs> and Lego apps, and I am curious about a few things on your side, Daniel. So how is your... Oh, I... I oh, yeah, go on. Sorry. I have um, actually a good example of, of the Lego strategy at work. Um, but I, I kind of talked about um, Telemetry Dex Web SDK last, last time already. Um, but so it turns out that if, um, if I just give our users a separate way or our customers a separate way of, um, of, of, of like uh, or gathering usage data with the new web SDK, mm-hmm. um, and you put that in. And what I now added is just a separate, separate, um, overview screen that, that just shows you instead of your, like your app versions that don't make sense for a website. If you have a website, you can switch it to showing the URLs and the sources and the referrers and the countries and stuff like that. Um, yep, and it turns out um, because we have that, and but, but we already have like a charting engine that uh, that is um, that can auto update. We already have the, the 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 query editor and the inside editor and stuff like that. We all already have the dashboards. We already have the funnels and the EB testing. And suddenly you can all do this do this all for your website data. And so <laughs> with a like comparably minimal amount of work. Um, we or I kind of stumbled into suddenly having a pretty like of being able to offer a pretty decent web analytics tool. So <laughs> I'm really, I'm really happy about that actually. Um, like I was meeting a customer, um, and they were like, um, they 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 kind of they kind of misunderstood what we do, and they like they thought they said apps they were making apps, but they were making websites, or they were they had one specific large web website, mm-hmm. and um during that meeting i kind of like just like shared them like it was a zoom meeting and i just shared with them um um the the, the overview screen for the telemetry deck website that is now, now also powered by the uh web sdk yeah. and i was like yeah is this what you need like here we have the the sources and where people are coming into the site and where people are leaving the site and stuff like that and they're like yeah yeah this is exactly what we need <laughs> They're like nice. Oh, this is good. Oh, so that's where it then becomes an an enabler because you've got all these these things ready to go, right. just in a different combination. Right. You just like you just recombine all the existing parts, add one more, and then it's a it's a new thing. Yeah. That is still very uh, stylistically com- uh, like connected to the old thing. That's awesome. That's really awesome. So, yeah, so you, that's really nice. What have you stood up there then? You've got a whole uh, web analytics experience building with all of this? Yeah, basically. I mean, um, of course, there's like advanced features and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. For example, um, this doesn't have integration with the Google Search Console. Yep. But I mean, who needs the Google? Oh, okay. <laughs> you kind of do. You kind of do need the Google Search Console, but you can have that open in a separate tab. Okay. Um, but for example, if I look at various other uh, privacy-focused analytics tools, which are awesome and I love, um, but what many of them don't have is just like, oh yeah, just make a new dashboard, add a few insights, and then just 3D query, like 3D write your queries with a visual editor. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen that, and that's actually really really helpful. Like um, we've we've run a few ads, like the um, the ad campaign for the Swift package and index is still running, and the ad campaign that we're running on hacking with Swift has now ended. Yeah, and so I just added a dashboard for for both of those, and just have a few things where I just see data about these campaigns because I'm like, okay, how how did this actually go? Uh, spoiler: mediocre. <laughs> okay. <which> is- <laughs> Which um, is not the fault of either Hacking with Swift or the Swift Package Index. Both of these are amazing people mm-hmm. whom I love. Um, that, that it ter- just turns out that they are bringing visitors to our website, but then they're not really registering, yeah. which is a bummer. So um, Hacking with Swift, we have, uh, as count, count, count of today, at 524 unique visitors have visited the website. Yep. From the Hacking with Swift link. Okay. So that's pretty yep. cool. That's pretty decent. Out of those, four have actually uh, signed up for the, for the product. Okay. So that's less than 1%. Yes. Um, and I'd like to reach ideally like 2 to 3% at least. 
Um, so I don't know yet why that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is now my next, uh, the next step is just figuring that out. Like, obviously, the landing page needs to yep. work. Um, I think it looks pretty cool, but maybe, uh, like, so one of, one or two things that I really want to do is, um, talk a bit more about the features that we've added because I've wrote, I've wrote all that, all those, um, all that copy. I wrote that year ago maybe and in the meantime we've had we we now have web analytics of course we have funnels we have a b testing we have various other stuff so mentioning that would be cool i guess definitely um and i also think um maybe i want to have some sub landing pages especially for um swift developers yep and maybe now also for for web developers and the the third thing is i want to like even bigger (laughs) call to action button Mm -hmm. That's just on the front page, like a huge throbbing orange <laughs> button. That's just like, this, like now, now here, click this. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think the the main hero image is also a bit boring. And so maybe if we if we have like a bit more going on in that main hero image, that will yeah. also be a, a nice thing. So um, I'm actually gonna. Uh, I think I'm gonna run some Google ads. Yeah. If that is possible. <laughs> right now, that is not possible because Google says we're malware. <laughs> oh, well, not dear. telemetry deck is malware, but Google is saying the telemetry deck website is oh, malware. Um, okay, that's interesting. I've appealed. Yeah. Let's see what the appeal brings. Um, I think I have an idea why that is. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So... Um, so yeah, I want to run um, like tiny, tiny amount of ads, just enough to to send pe- to to have the same ad send people to either version A of a of a landing page or version B, and so I can actually use our A A B testing tools to find out which is yep. better, and then just incrementally improve that um, over That's time. That's awesome, and 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 I think what you're you're like you say you're much further along now than when you first wrote some of this copy. It's definitely a good idea to go back and revisit that. Uh, I also think that you've probably collected um, with with new new customers over the last year. You've perhaps got the opportunity to bring in some more um, testimonials and kind of social proof from people as well. Um, oh, so, yeah. wait do you, do you, do you think we should have more on the front page? Um, I think it's just a case of just checking that that stuff calls out some of the new features. More than anything else. Right. Oh yeah, that's that's a good that's a good point yeah. actually. Um, so then it links. You know, it's not just like oh, this feature is shiny and it's cool, but it's also I use this feature. My name is Dave or whatever. Right, I'm happy to personally mm-hmm. give a testimonial, but um, <laughs> you know, you probably want to find find people who um, are representing your target uh, customer base as much as possible as well. Um, right. But, um, yeah, and get their testimonials saying i use feature y and it's it's brilliant you know that's that sort of stuff to just really hammer it home like this is not just a cool set of features and a cool product but it's being used by real people which it is you know and this is the value they're getting out of that um so that'll tie it all together um and i've not been by your page for a little while so excuse me if you're like dave i've got all this what you're on about um but i don't know that's like super helpful feedback i think uh, no, the only thing I was asking because we do have like lots of mo- lot, lots more testimonials. Just, they're just not on the front mm-hmm. page because I don't want to have like fifty testimonials there. But if you scroll all the way down to the footer menu, that actually has a link to more testimonials yep. because I've been collecting. And those. that's the thing, right? Because every time so you can make someone says sorry, something really nice about telemetry deck, I ask them, "Hey, can I put that on the on the website?" Brilliant. And and, and what I was going to say there is that just as you're tweaking potentially the page to a b test it and make it more suitable for certain audiences those testimonials should also be reflective of those audiences um oh yeah that's a good you know, idea if you've got a swift dev version of it i want to see a swift developer there potentially somebody i know from the community who who then validates that this is a cool product and, and is useful for me um yeah i mean this is we're getting into the weeds on this, yeah. but but we've got all the components. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like we have, like there's a few apps that use telemetry deck where I'm like, oh, I'm I'm so super proud that these people use telemetry yep. deck. Like I'm like, wow, you are my idol, or you made an app that is like so cool and that I use very much daily. And then like, oh yeah, and they are using telemetry deck. How cool is that? That's awesome. And 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 if you can call that out, if you can, 
if they're okay with you doing so, then that's fantastic, right? That that's uh, right again, uh, and it's not all about this sort of stuff, but it is about when somebody comes to you brand new and they know nothing about what you're doing or very very little. If they can see bits of themselves in in what you're showing them, um, then again, it, it gives them that indication of like, I want to give this a go, and oh yeah, also it's to. to I hasten to add, just in terms of people listening to us talking about this, I think this is a, a actually it, it it's marketing, um, but it is not too creepy, right? You're talking about you want people to be able to see the value of the thing for them, um, and then w- what does it cost? It costs them just in time to go and install it, to to set it up, and try try your your free tier before they get going, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like I'm very much convinced that telemetry deck is mm-hmm. good. And so it's just about like people need to get to know it. Like people need to be need to be shown the right things so they can accurately assess its goodness. Yes. Like because once people sign up for it for it, like I've I've I only heard I almost almost only hear good things. Yep. Yeah, and I get get the impression you hear good things or you hear feature requests which again is is positive right it's like i like this but i want oh, yeah. to do this other thing as well uh oh, yeah. get into a stage where that's happening with the vj app now which is super cool um when i added the midi support earlier in the year uh, i got a lot of really positive feedback on that shortly followed with can you now add recording please dave that's a separate app and it will cost you 4.99 a month yeah one million dollars no but anyway i think we've 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 talked all around a whole load of of concepts that i find really interesting right modularization of an app um i've been talking about essentially cross-selling is my idea for having an app that links up with it you're talking about a B testing and tweaking landing pages to suit people better. Um, these are all, and obviously with your own um, modularization that's enabled this web analytics, which I think is brilliant. Uh, but Daniel, it's been really, really great just talking about all of this today. Um, and that's uh, yes, uh, yeah. I don't say this enough, but um, I really enjoy talking with you on the pod. It's uh, Oh, me too, yeah, Dave. Um, and it's just nice to be able to to have a conversation like this. And obviously, people listen in. Um, and I hope that people who've listened in get as much out of it as I do. So, uh, on that note, this is a very crowbarred segue. Now that I think about it, and it wasn't intended that way. But on that note, <laughs> dear listener, if you have enjoyed listening to this show. Uh, we would actually love it if you gave us a review over on the iTunes podcast index, um, Apple's index of everything. I will link that in the show notes and make life very easy for you to just go and click a button and go and click the link in your podcast uh, awesome. uh, podcast app. Go and have a look. Uh, right. Why should you do this? Because this uh, pushes, pushes, up, up, uh, pushes us up in the discovery, and that means more listeners and more listeners means we are even more motivated to to talk about these exactly. things exactly, and it makes us really, really happy. And we're, we're we're trying as well to refocus the show and make sure we're we're putting out episodes every fortnight and stay pretty regular on that. Um, it's been great to have everybody along for the ride with this as well with 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 the podcast itself. And uh, just to say, we have a Slack channel. Um, if people are interested in joining that Slack. Um, Again, check the show notes. There'll be there'll be the means to contact us there, either through the Fediverse or through um, through email, um, and I can get you get you added to that. Um, once I've got this house move out of the way, I will be revisiting all of this and trying to see if I can make it a bit easier for people to just click a button and end up in the in the Slack. So, uh, but yeah, we're trying to build the community around around the podcast. There's a lot of good people in there already. And we would love to have you join as well. Fantastic. And I very much agree. All right. Uh, that's it for today, I yeah. think. Uh, so, Dave, where can people find you? Ah, well, things have changed since the last episode. <gasps> I have got a okay. new Fediverse account. So you can f- 
I hadn't even noticed. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Excuse me. So yeah, um, uh, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I registered um, with Masto.host and set up social.lightbeamapps.com. Uh, so you can find me there, social.lightbeamapps.com/slash/at/dave, um, mm-hmm. and that is my my new account. It's actually my old account. I redirected everybody over there, which is why you never noticed, Daniel. Um, but again, awesome. I'm trying to make everything all about my apps. So um, lightbeamapps.com as well to find those. Uh, Daniel, how about yourself, mate? All right. Um, I'm on social.telemetrydeck.com slash at Daniel. Uh, and also you can like skip the social and go to telemetrydeck.com if you want to try out telemetry deck. Um, register for a free account. Hey please (laughs) (laughs) and you should dear listener because uh yeah if you've got an app and you want to know more about what your users are doing it's a really easy way to just get started and it's a shameless plug but i really enjoy the product i've seen it develop and we've talked about its development over the last uh how long have we been talking together now daniel 18 months on this show oh my god we're at episode 33 yeah so yeah. yeah, wow, that's been a it's been a it's been a while. So, Maybe we need to start a new season at some point, just for like, so that this one doesn't get too. Yeah, big. yeah, I reckon. I reckon we may be due for that. Let's let's see how the next month or two goes, and then we'll we'll reboot. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Like this is way too late in the show, but I just want to say thank you so much to Sven from the or, or AKA Fine Structure from the Swift Package Index for the awesome shout out and to to our podcast. Brilliant. On that note, catch you again next time, Daniel. 